Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Informations 411. I'm Corey Weinberg, your host this week. As always, we're talking tech, and we appreciate you listening. We have two segments on this show. First, I'll be speaking with information reporter Paris Martineau, who dropped a big story this week about turmoil inside of Haven, a secretive healthcare initiative run by Amazon, JP Morgan, and Berkshire Hathaway. Then we're going to turn the mic over to a handful of other information reporters who do something that reporters don't always like to do, and that's a bit of speculation. We had a piece this week about M&A predictions, including reporters' opinions on who might be on the block in tech, what deals might make sense, and whether we're going to really see any big deals happening. So we'll get right into it. joined by Paris Martineau, who covers Amazon for the information. It's Paris's first time on the 411. She just joined the team from Wired. Welcome, Paris. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So take us back to early 2018, a, a somewhat simpler time when we could all go out and, and eat and live our normal lives. But there was a, an earth-shattering announcement. Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire Hathaway they grabbed headlines, they moved stocks, they said they were going to take on the crazy problem of lowering healthcare costs in the U.S. It's now the private sector trying to show the government how to do it. To- what did they set out to do? Take, take us back to 2018. Yeah, so in January 2018, a much simpler time, uh, believe it or not, um, Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase and Berkshire Hathaway put out this really vague, almost bare bones press release saying, hey, we're joined together to form a healthcare venture. It's going to, you know, solve all these complicated issues in the healthcare industry. We're going to do it. That was about it. No real details on how or why or what the company was going to be called. And the healthcare industry lost its mind. Stocks dropped for major health insurers. Um, Analysts went crazy. They were thinking this is, you know, going to be the future of the industry. Amazon, this giant company known for disrupting other industries, was certainly going to make a big impact. Um, Rumors only swirled further in uh, June of 2018 when they announced um, that Atul uh, Gawande, uh, the New Yorker writer and kind of famous surgeon and healthcare analyst, was going to be the CEO of the nameless company. And by the time in March of 2019, when they gave it a name, Haven, um, people had really high hopes for the company. What was bringing in uh, sort of a leader like that, uh, Atul Gawande, what did that signal um, for this initiative? Um, It signaled to many that this was going to be a big deal. I mean, he had written series of essays for The New Yorker about the inefficiencies in the healthcare industry that had gone really viral, had influenced a lot of different policy decisions in America and kind of attracted the eye of leaders in the healthcare industry and people around the nation. Um, It signaled that this thing that turned out to be called Haven could actually stand a big shot of changing this industry and that these companies weren't messing around. It wasn't just going to be, you know, some executive from Berkshire or something leading the charge. It also meant a big deal to people in the healthcare industry. A 
a lot of employees at Haven who I spoke with said they joined because of Gawande's name on this. And the program was somewhat shrouded in secrecy for the last two years, uh, as you write. What kind of programs did Haven launch? What, what did you learn about what was actually being worked on? So there was basically very, very little information ever publicized about what this venture was working on besides, you know, one insurance initiative. But my reporting uncovered that uh, the main focus of the program under um, Gawande was this secret project with the code name Starfield that essentially was Gawande's primary focus and kind of an extension of how he thought about the healthcare system and how primary care should work. So they developed this telemedicine app that they released called the Haven Healthcare app and partnered with um, JP Morgan in Ohio in order to do a pilot program with some of their employees in kind of a top secret way where these employees were going to be offered essentially like 24-7 access to a dedicated team, primary care team that would hopefully be able to address a lot of their issues very quickly. And the idea was that if you kind of had this doctor-patient relationship augmented by technology, that eventually over the long term it would reduce healthcare costs and kind of improve health outcomes for patients. That sounds like a, 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 a noble goal. Um, when did things start going south? Yeah, so things started turning sour, honestly, before Starfield had even officially launched, which was supposed to happen in November of 2018. A couple of weeks before the launch of this app, um, employees working on the project told me they were absolutely shocked to learn about the launch of this program from Amazon called Amazon Care, which to them looked very similar to Starfield. Uh, employees that I spoke with said they can remember where they were when they saw the news on their phone that Amazon had launched this project that seemed to almost be kind of cannibalizing what Haven was working on. And as soon as Starfield launched, things started to get even worse. The program had much lower adoption than they had anticipated, largely because Haven had this intense culture of secrecy because they were worried about the press finding out about what they were doing. So they weren't really able to publicize the details of what they were working on to get people to sign up. So they had issues kind of getting patient adoption of the program. And then all of a sudden they started to have budget issues around the same time, which later turned into layoffs and kind of mass confusion as the pandemic hit and everyone went remote. And is Amazon still committed to the project? Did you learn anything about that? It's in question right now. Employees told me that they're unsure the extent to which Amazon is committed. They kind of viewed the company as half in, half out, and that that had contributed to kind of a lot of the slowdowns for Haven. Over the last year or so, it seemed that the founding companies, Amazon, Berkshire, and Chase, have uh, closed the spigot slightly as far as funding goes, or at least reduced the amount of funding for the program, which has caused some issues internally. This was a fairly unique program, I feel like, in terms of, you know, I think you say, in, you write in the story that it had been declared, you know, sort of free from profit-making incentives and constraints when it was announced. You know, you had these three titans of capitalism, Amazon, Chase, and Berkshire, you know, joining forces, pouring money into this thing. But it was it was going to be free from profit-making incentives, but it's, you know, it's pretty clear that um, 
uh, it still kind of run, ran into some of the same headwinds that, you know, any kind of startup or company um, might run into if they're, they're working on a compressed time horizon. Do you, you know, what did you learn about sort of the, <laughs> what this could be and who it could serve? And is this the best form that it should take right now? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like there was a lot of internal tension between what I guess, for lack of a better, I'll call Gwande's kind of school of thought, which was this more noble um, approach to primary care and handling patient outcomes in a way that over the long term would both improve patient outcomes and ideally lower healthcare costs. And the other school of thought was these three companies poured a bunch of money into this program ostensibly to find a way to save money on healthcare for their million plus employees. And when it had been two years and they hadn't seen um, concrete cost saving initiatives pop up and they weren't getting a bunch of data insights as quickly as they'd wanted, they pulled back a bit and they uh, got a bit antsy and frustrated. Paris, you joined us a, uh, a few weeks ago to cover Amazon. What did you learn about Amazon from all this? They're obviously one peak of the triumvirate. They obviously have a lot of influence here. What did, did, you, what did you learn about Amazon? I think that what the story illustrated the most for me was the effects of having a company the size and scale of Amazon that a company like this is, I mean, it doesn't even feel like one company or five, ten. It is like a world in and of itself where you can have investment in an initiative like Haven as well as the various other healthcare initiatives that they personally were putting out and all of these other kind of internal conflicts going on all at the same time. Um, just because of the scale of it, the complexity and kind of confusions inherent in um, that kind of growth. Well, it is, a, it is a vast universe. We'll be looking forward to your coverage. Thanks for joining us, Paris. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to be back next time. For our next segment, we're going to hear from several information reporters about who they think might be targets for acquisitions in the coming months. I have never, ever seen a company more teed up to be acquired than Neva. It was started by Sridhar Ramaswamy, a longtime Google executive. Initially, I was hearing that they were working on an enterprise search service that uh, could help companies deal with their data, but they pivoted, turned it into a consumer service that promises no advertising in exchange for a subscription fee um, for search results that they say will be higher quality than those of Google. And it's going to be a very, very tough road for them uh, to gain users without um, you know, significant distribution help. Another company that could, could look at acquiring them is Apple, which of course has Siri. And, uh, and its own search ambitions. And I expect this company to be sold for a pretty high price. Everybody's favorite bite-sized premium content streaming service, Quibi, could have more M&A potential than you might realize. Yeah, it only launched in the spring, and if things do not turn around, uh, it's probably gonna miss its first year subscriber goals. Founder Jeffrey Katzenberg might be looking to offload the company. Uh, the question then is to whom and for how much? One possibility that I think is worth considering would be Apple. Um, Apple TV Plus, that subscription TV service it has, needs more programming, which Quibi actually does have in spades, 
and uh, Apple could use the mobile-friendly content that Quibi focuses on. Plus, Katzenberg has a long history with Apple uh, and its media chief, Eddie Q. A few other companies to maybe consider for Quibi could be Snap. There's a lot of shared DNA between the two companies, or maybe one of the studios that invested a bit of money in Quibi and could find either the video player somewhat valuable or maybe it's cache of content. I would say based on how much cash I'm hearing Quibi has in the bank, uh, which is around 700 million, uh, around 1 billion would be a nice outcome for Quibi. Uh, yeah, that is less than the 1.75 billion that Quibi raised. And this look would not be the way that Katzenberg has hoped things were going to go, but such is so often the case about anything in 2020. Kindred AI sells industrial robotic arms that retailers use in fulfillment centers to pick and place products into bins for shipping. Uh, the reason I think Kindred could be a candidate, uh, one of the reasons is because they switched CEOs in April uh, and the new CEO, Marin Chakarov, is the former COO and CFO at Kindred. Uh, he is now serving as acting CEO. The company didn't respond when I asked them if they're searching for a new one, so that raises some questions. Nutanix sells enterprise data storage software. So when Nutanix went public in 2016, it was sort of viewed as a contender to take on VMware and similar companies. And some of its big name customers include Toyota, Airbus, AT&T, and the US Department of Defense. But Nutanix has since struggled with sales growth, especially over the last two years. Its stock has dropped more than half because investors have lost confidence in the company's ability to win customers over from VMware. So there are several possible routes that might make Nutanix a viable acquisition target. Uh, Google Cloud could be interested, particularly because Nutanix would help the cloud division offer products that partially run in data centers, which would help Google Cloud lure corporate customers that want to use their own data centers. And server makers like Hewlett Packard Enterprise or HPE and Cisco, both of which actually tried to acquire Nutanix before it went public, those might make sense as potential acquirers because they could serve as a counterweight to Dell's majority stake in VMware, which allows Dell to combine its servers with VMware's server virtualization software. TikTok. Now, the app could not have been a bigger hit during the pandemic, and it also couldn't have been more of a headache for its owner, ByteDance. We've got governments like India banning the service outright, and top U.S. officials really sounding like they might do that here as well. And ByteDance might just want to avoid this mess and protect the other huge parts of its business and just slice TikTok off. It wouldn't go for cheap, uh, just based on its revenue expectations this year, it could fetch at least $20 billion. As for who would buy it, uh, the big tech companies, it's tricky because there's a lot of antitrust scrutiny going on right now. Google could maybe pull it off. Facebook, it's probably impossible. But the next tier down, you've got Snap, and there's a lot of overlap between TikTok and Snap. They've got pretty similar audience demographics. A lot of their features are starting to look the same. And when you start looking even closer as to what a combined company would look like, you've got maybe Snap for communications, TikTok for entertainment. Um, another possibility outside of tech could be Disney. And just from an intrigue standpoint, Disney buying TikTok would be a reuniting of uh, the company with its former streaming chief, Kevin Mayer, who left Disney just a couple of months ago to become TikTok's CEO. Yeah, it would be kind of an awkward reuniting, but uh, not necessarily a bad deal for Disney in the end. That was Amir Afradi, Tom Dotan, Ross Madigan, and Kevin McLaughlin. 
They're all reporters at The Information. And of course, we welcome your tips on what deals you hear are happening. You can email tips at theinformation.com. That's all of our show this week. Thanks for tuning in. Special thanks to Paris and the other reporters on the show and Ariella Markovitz, who produces the 411. Have a great weekend.